Good morning, Apollo Bay. Good. How are we this morning? How was church this morning? All good? Do they, do they serve tea and coffee afterwards? How's Vicar today? How's his leg? Is it okay? All right. I'm just making that up, by the way. My name's Richard Cornish. I'm a food writer, and it's a great pleasure to be part of the, of the 2023 Apollo Bay Seafood Festival, a glorious, beautiful event that is gaining in not only its notoriety, but the impact that it has, and the fact that we are able to talk about what communities can do and can achieve when we work together. Um, uh, today we've, we're here all day. I'll do. We'll ask you again to turn your phones to uh, to silent, please, if you'd be so good. Um, this is my co. This is my co-chum, Hilary McNevin. She and I have been doing this for five years, and we're just talking. On Friday night, we were uh, welcomed to country by Yaron. Yaron. Yeah. Was it yesterday? Yesterday. Yesterday. By Yaron. But Karen Johnson's bundle is here. And that was one of the most beautiful things. Thank you for welcoming us. And he sang, us, sang to us part of the, the whale dreaming. And, and in that spirit, we just want to, we want to carry that energy forward. We want to acknowledge the fact that we are amongst people who have cared for the sea, who have cared for the land, who have cared for the foreshore for, for generations and generations and generations and generations, deep, deep history. And those people are still with us today in this room. And we've actually got future generation in this room. Um, acknowledge the future generation to come, which is so exciting. We've got another wild dreamer in the yet, to be, the yet to be born in the room as well. And so we acknowledge that, and this is the living thing. Uh, this, is, this is what the acknowledgement of country is about. It is real, it is living, it's exciting, and it's heartfelt. So that, uh, that is actually a part of what we're doing today. We're recognising the sea, we're recognising the land, and we're recognising our part in it looking after it. And look, we're, we're running a little bit behind already. We best get on with it then. Let's get on. Can I throw to you Hilary McNevin? Richard Cornish, always. Okay, have always a great can. day. I will. Love you. Love you. Thank you. Hello. Hey, my turn. Hey. <laughs> 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 oh, that's better. Now, for those of you who are, who are new... Good morning, Hilary McNevin. I'm a food communicator based in Melbourne and it's my honour to be here again and involved in the, um, in the Apollo Bay Seafood Festival. There's a tradition when, a bit of a family thing going on up here now. 2018 um, was the first conversations that Richard and I were involved in. Do I need the different microphone? Is this, am I too loud with this one? Is everyone hearing me okay? I'm just checking, great. I just wanted to check it's all, hello, good. And um, the three of us, Nick. Who are you missing out? Oh, four of us, the three gentlemen here, the three plus me. I wasn't including myself, sorry. Nick, Frosty and Marcus, we sat down and had a chat about the state of the ocean and what's going on in this community. We're doing, we did it again 2019, 2020. Now in 2020, we had no idea that, I think I finished that talk with, see, we'll chat next year. 21, 22, obviously, we know that didn't happen. We won't dwell on that. So here we are in 2023. There's an awful lot to cover so let's jump straight into it. Marcus. State, state of the ocean. The state of the ocean. But Marcus Nolly, just tell us quickly um, your official title. Uh, well, I'm a director of the uh, Apollo Bay Fishermen's Co-op with these good gentlemen yes. who have uh, pre preceded me and are still flying the flag. Good on them. Uh, the co-op wouldn't be there today if it wasn't for, for these chaps so, and others. So. And Frosty, you're a retired fisherman who is now the director of the co-op, is uh, that correct? I'm director of the co-op, yeah. Russell Frost, do, Frosty. Do, do a little bit of hands-on at times. A little bit. 
the grand old man. Tell us what you do now. I'm still tangled up with the uh, co-op. I, I started as a, a professional fisherman at the age of 17 when uh, uh, there was 15 barracuda boats going out every second day or every, every day when it was fine. And uh, I sort of grew up in the in an industry. My dad was the manager foreman at the co-op, and uh, it wasn't very long before I was standing on a boat, and I sort of liked that the feel of that. And I can still remember two two fishermen saying to me early in the morning, "See that star over there, Nick? You know, you've got to hold, follow that star. If you've ever done that in a boat, zigging and zagging." They just set me up beautifully, and then they were killing themselves. This guy, or young fella, 14, 15, trying to stick his boat. They were so, so that was my in intro. Your introduction. And uh, I, I just loved it. Oh. And I still do today. So, and every year we start our chat with this. So, Marcus, I'm going to start with you because, as we said, lots to catch up on. Tell us about the zones in Apollo Bay that I don't think we know about and the state of them over the last three years. Yeah, so <clears throat> what people probably don't realise is that uh, all, all fisheries in the state of Victoria and generally around Australia are managed with a high degree of effort. So, so we really do try and manage our fisheries as, as best as we can. Uh, our premium sort of fishery here in Apollo Bay is rock lobster. We're the home of the southern rock lobster. Um, so the rock lobster fishery in the state of Victoria is actually split into two zones and we've got an eastern zone and a western zone and, that, and the line for that zone is pretty much just as you come out the harbour. So if you come out of the harbour and, and, and keep going towards lawn, that's the eastern zone. So that, that goes all the way uh, to, the, to the border at New South Wales. If you come out of the harbour and turn right, that's the western zone and that goes all the way to, to South Australia. Um, one of the reasons why it's managed like that is because they're very different. So when you go to the west, um, there's a lot of habitat where, where the rock lobsters can live, so a lot of reefs. Uh, so every time you see sort of a, uh, a cape, like uh, Cape Otway, under the water, that the, the geography of that continues and stretches all the way out for miles and miles and miles. So there's a lot of habitat in the western zone. As you go east, as people would know, if you think about like down at Gippsland, you know, you've got vast sort of sandy areas. So there's not, there's not as much habitat and the production of rock lobster out of each of those zones is indicative of that. So, you know, broadly speaking, you might take about, we might take about 300 tonnes of rock lobster out of the western zone and, and, and the ratio would be sort of like one-tenth of that, so 30 tonnes out of that whole, whole, whole area. So that's, that's sort of how it's being managed. Um, with, and it's a tale of two zones as well. So for years and years and years, for probably the last 20 years, the fishermen have been investing to improve stock levels by reducing the amount of catch that they take. So that's why we have, have a total allowable commercial catch. So we've ha have had that set quite low. Um, the frustrating thing for us is that uh, our efforts in doing that, we are of the view that they have been undermined, particularly by the oil and gas industry with seismic testing. So. Uh, for years and years uh, they said that does no damage, we now know that it does do damage, it does permanent and significant damage to rock lobsters, uh, and we believe it's a bit like filling the bathtub, you know, if you, if you don't have the plug in the bathtub, you can still fill it, you know, it'll just take a lot of water and there's a lot of waste, and so we're of the view, whilst our catch rates in the West are improving, and that's fantastic, it's taken a hell of a long time, and we believe that our efforts have been largely undermined by that oil and gas industry. In the east, there's some different challenges, um, just by virtue of uh, where people live. 
Uh, a lot of the eastern zone is very accessible to a large population area. So if you think about Melbourne and, and all around uh, those more populated areas. So the, the, the pressure on the, the stocks in those areas is, is quite heavy. So recreational fishing is, is, is popular and growing. And as the population grows, so does the base of people who are taking fish out of the ocean. Is there, you said there's um, the, the total commercial catch is, is watched very closely. Is the total recreational catch It's, a, it's really closely? interesting. Years ago, there used to be a, a TARC, a total allowable recreational catch for rock lobster. Yeah. Uh, that was sort of put aside many years ago. Why was um, that? Uh, politics, basically. That chestnut. Yeah, politics. Okay. Um, just, just couldn't put a figure on it. Yeah, but, but in all fairness, and, and I was just talking to David before, um, you know, it's, it's something, it's, it's a bit of an elephant in the room. You know, it does need to be acknowledged. You need to know what's coming out of the water if you're going to manage the stock. So fortunately, I've just heard from David, uh, every five years there's a new management plan put together. And in the current discussions for the new management plan, they, there are discussions about reintroducing uh, a, a total allowable recreational catch, which is actually really good news because if we don't have that, you know, you can't manage what's coming out of the ocean. You just can't. No, and it would be hard, like you say, it's hard to, to manage, but it must be some way or another, you know, if, if, how, how many, a recreational fisherman can take how many That's right, and, and the trouble is at the know. moment, there, there are daily bag limits, yes. but, but there's not a total uh, understanding, a good understanding of what that total outtake is. And until, you know, if you, you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So right. uh, that, I think for the VFA, that's the big challenge now, okay. is, is really getting, getting to grips with that so that everyone can fish for the future. I think that's wonderful. And in terms of buying, because what I want to segue to also is labelling. So we had a big chat yesterday at the um, festival. I hope a lot of you were there yesterday about the name crayfish and lobster. And lobster. Mm. And Frosty, I'll throw to you for a moment because in terms of correct labelling and what is the southern rock lobster and the crayfish and why, why are, is there any difference? Well... The southern rock lobster, the one we got here, traditionally known as crayfish. Um, crayfish, generically around the world, is a thing with claws that lives in fresh water. Yep. Like, you know, crawfish. Crawfish, yeah. Whereas what we catch are a spiny lobster. Ours are what you call Jasus Edwardsii. And as I said yesterday, their range goes from New Zealand, probably the corner of Victoria and New South Wales, there's a bit of a crossover, all the way around to Cape Lewin in Western Australia and as far mm. south as the bottom of Tasmania. So, but that's where they are. Yes. But uh, they're different to the Western Australian lobster. There are, there are Janus, like the, set of the New South Wales ones, but there are different Janus. Mm. Yeah. Jasus. Jasus, sorry, not Janus. Ours are better. <laughs> ours, oh, ours, like, when, when the export industry was going full-on up until COVID and uh, our erstwhile Prime Minister put his foot in his mouth, or should have, shouldn't, you know, should have yes. kept his mouth shut, um, our lobster was prized by the Chinese yes. because they are recognised as in the top three in the world for flavour. Oh. So if you compare a southern rock lobster to a western rock lobster or a tropical rock lobster, there, there's just no comparison. And we should be looking for those in the shop. I'm, I'm going in the labelling segue yes. here because what it was interesting, I mentioned this to Marcus before and Richard and I noticed this on the way to the drinks on Friday. We popped into the shop, your new beautiful the fish shop. Mm. And um, there was shark. Mm. 
gummy shark, local, and in brackets, flake, for $40 a kilo, yeah. and shark, mm -hmm. local, yeah. for $20 a kilo. Sure, sure, sure. See, this is what, mm. and Marcus, and what I was wondering is a lot of people just call it flake. You know, you no, just, and you don't, and generic. what I love is you, for me, that was actually indicative of you're showing there are different species, different types, different demand, supply and demand. Can you talk to us a bit about the, the layout well, of that fish? What is recognised as flake in Victoria or across Australia are two species, school shark, gummy shark. Yep. The rest legally can't be sold as flake. Okay. So they... This is a, a thing across the board with fish labelling. We don't know what we're buying. Yes, I think it's really so. And this really is what has to be has to be addressed. Has to be directed <laughs> by governments. They must legislate that you you go and buy a fish. It's what you what it says on the ticket is what, what you actually what buy. What it says on the packet. Yeah. What it says on the packet. <laughs> you know, it's a bit like that kerfuffle they had with. Um, Hunky Dory in Melbourne, where they were selling Pacific Dory as their special fish. What on earth fish. is Pacific Dory? Was, <laughs> there is what? no such thing. That's there, what I mean. Like, what was, is a Pacific It was Bassa out of the Mekong River, out oh. of the sewer of Vietnam. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they got a little bit of a slap around the face for it, but yeah. they, they, should they, have been nailed. they should have been booked for it yes. in a big way. So that's false advertising. It's, you're hoodwinking the public. And I don't know if people saw um, just re quite recently there was research done in South Australia. So the University of Adelaide, uh, they actually went around all the fish and chip shops, not all of them, but a, a large sample of fish and chip shops in South Australia, and they bought, you know, the flake fish and chips. And then they took it back and they actually analysed it. So they can actually do a, like an analysis of the proteins in the fish and find out exactly not just what the fish actually is, but where it came from. And the horrific result of that was over 75% of the samples that they had were not flake. They were not gummy shark or school shark. And even worse than that, they were a wide assortment of indiscriminate species that had come from overseas. And some uh, protected species, you and said And some as well? protected species as well. So it was an, it's, a, it's such an eye-opener and just really speaks to the heart of the matter of, of, of truth in labelling and also country of origin labelling because don't forget, 70, over 75% of all the seafood we consume in Australia is imported, so over 75%. I love to, and it's important to bring it back to the consumer. So if I, any of us want to go into a shop and, oh, I just want a piece of flake, but we know, we ask, is it gummy shark? Or school shark. Or school shark. Or school shark. And will they, what if they, how, how can they show? If they go, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. What do we, is there anything we can do? Because we want to make sure, as consumers, we have the agency to ask the questions and do this, and chefs as well, and... Mm. But it, just, just find these people, these crooks that actually uh, sell a, a species that's that's not the species that they're trying to sell. Yes. Yeah, just find them, bang, hit them. Okay. But people have to, people just have to ask. And, and look, in my experience, one of two things will happen: uh, they will know exactly what it is and where it's come from, yes. or they will not know. And they'll say, I don't, I don't know. Or they'll say, Of course, it came it from is, a white box out the back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So maybe you want to find another. So and another then walk shop. out the door if they can't, if they don't know where it's come from. Mm. Don't buy it. Go somewhere else. Yeah. Oh, you, you oh, yeah. Most definitely. When I get fresh, when you get fresh gummy sharks, like... Yep. Catch it. Catching it. Yep. And you go to fish it. And like I work in the seafood industry too, I've been going for two and a half years, and you can taste it. Well, it's, so it's about yeah. educating, but you know to yeah. what it tastes like. So we need to just all make sure we learn what the difference is and yeah. taste it. And, and you know, and make sure we... you go in the shop and you see, you can see, if you know, if you know, 
That's the issue. Look, you see, unless you're educated in what the fish looks like, you know, they can sell anything. You're like, there's nothing wrong with the saw shark. It's just a lesser grade of shark than the other shark. There's nothing wrong with it. It's slightly softer than a flake or a squirrel shark. Yeah, you do. You actually pan fry it a little bit longer. So it firms up a bit more. So that's the difference. But there's also a hell of a difference between frozen and fresh. And then a lot of fish gets thawed out and displayed, and its shelf life is already gone down the track a fair bit. And you come home and think, you that doesn't smell too fresh, you know? Uh, and that's the sad part about our product. It has a shelf life and it has to be looked after from fishermen to plate almost. If, if you go into a fishmonger's and you look at the fish, a fresh fish, when you look at the fillet, will have a translucence in it, yeah. like a rainbow effect. Beautiful. Fresh fish has this translucence. Once it loses the translucence, mm. it's got age on it. Yeah, it's, a, it's a very, very... Mm good sign of yeah, how fish lets fresh, you know it's fresh, yeah. it's fresh in whether way. it's fresh it shines yeah. the, the, fr the flesh yeah see, oh, sorry, see what we're trying to do in Apollo Bay at the moment is we bought a fishing trawler so we we catch the stuff now not all the species and all we're trying to do is bring that species to the co-op from boat to plate and and that's that's what we're trying to do and it also adds value to it to our fishermen's uh, uh, bottom line and uh, we are struggling at the moment to get, to get uh, uh, this plan that we've got up and running. And uh, we're having a lot of difficulty with the bureaucrats at the moment. We've only oh. got a few minutes left. I'd like okay. you to stay. No, no, Nick, I'd like you to um, sort of wrap up for that, in that with what COVID has done and you saying you're struggling with the bureaucrats. This time next year, uh, what, what can we look forward to? Like, what are the hurdles you need to jump through before we chat again next year? Well, the hurdles that we have to go through as a, as a cooperative, we need a, a, uh, an area where people are out of the weather. Uh, at the moment, they're sitting outside, and as soon as you get a breeze of wind, you know, they're hanging onto the post. Yeah. Uh, and if it rains, well, uh, you, you can get four seasons in one day in Apollo Bay. Sounds like Melbourne, yeah. Yeah, almost, <laughs> almost. And we want, want to have an area where people are out of the weather, and that's all we're asking from the authorities, mm -hmm. and we're getting run around like you wouldn't believe. Uh, absolutely unbelievable. Because they just don't want to, they don't see the they, uh, they don't understand us. Uh, they haven't been able to grasp what we're trying to achieve. And all we do, want to do is put a peg in the ground and say Apollo Bay is going to be the seafood capital of Victoria. There's no, you know, it's I not a big a, ask. It's, no, it's not, because you, you are. Mm. And I think that's a beautiful note to finish on. Don't you? Anyone have one quick question? We've got like three minutes left. A quick question. Yes, sir. It, it seems like a no-brainer to me, and I'm not from this area. Mm. What's the resistance? What, what, is, what is the resistance? There's, there's, there's more votes in amateur fishing than professional. No, that's, 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 that's part can, of it. Can I, can I answer that? What's happened here, and this is what's actually holding us back, when, when uh, well, not the last election one before, they set up this city deal project and awarded money. We got a grant. Un unasked for to, to develop our co-op, federal government money. We went through the process of getting uh, harbour development plans and all that sort of stuff, but we've had this new group set up in the last what, two years, 
that has taken over all the Crown land on the coast of from Torquay to Warrnambool, and that they're going through transition, and they've sort of stepped back and said, oh, we've got to do another management plan before we allow you to go forward again. So we were told that we would be starting construction in the middle of la last year. Oh. And if we dig anything, if we turn sod this year, we'll be It'd very be lucky. Did you want to add something quickly? Yeah, if people want to get uh, these fresh fish that are coming off the boat, is there any way they can sign up to like a um, local cat club? <laughs> oh! <laughs> Who knew? Tell us quickly about well, the local free. catch it's club. Free. It's actually very, yes, I'd like to know, but you've got a minute. <laughs> I've got a minute. <laughs> Good guy. Go on. Yeah. No, the local catch club. How do we sign up to that? Yeah, what is it? If you, if, you, if you go to the, if you go to our website, go to the Apollo Bay Fisherman's Co-op website. You can you can sign up there. Uh, we've got this little scheme running called the local catch club. And look, it's really simple. It doesn't cost anything. You sign up. You just basically get onto our mailing list. And what we do is we just keep you up to date. So as Nick was saying, um, you know, when our boat goes out, we come back. And we never know what we're going to get. You know, we can get all sorts of things, and we'll bring to the shop things you wouldn't normally see in the in the in the fish market because you know, the so-called lower value species, but we want to use as much as we can. So we'll tell people what we've got, literally down to, hey, we've got a couple of, you know, big snapper. Does anyone want a whole snapper before we fill it? So we'll give people the chance to buy whole fish mm. and maybe buy some of the fish that you wouldn't and normally And order buy. it and pick it up at the shop? Yep, at, yeah. at the shop. Within 24 hours, we'll buy a couple of minutes out there. Great. Right. Where, where's the shop? In Pasco Street. Pasco Street. Just a few doors up from the Bendigo Bank there. Okay. There's another one here. We could talk all day. Or oh, one more. Very, very... Oh, I was just going to ask what percentage of the, the fish you sell cooked is, is caught in Apollo Bay? Uh, some, some species are, are, are not caught in Apollo Bay, uh, and, and not, not even in our, our, our region, but they are Australian, and that's what we hang our, our, our hat on, you know, so, so to speak. Everything is Australian. Everything, everything is Australian. Everything. And then uh, we, we try not to... to uh, uh, promote overseas products simply because the the oceans over there they, they, they get fished but all they leave behind there is water there's nothing in it mm. yeah. and, and and as far as regulations what regulations there's none okay. thank you we do have to wrap up now we will see you here next year hopefully yes <laughs> yes and, and, and we might Mark be smiling a bit more you know with yeah. an extension yes we'll see <laughs> hopefully it's on its way then marcus nolly frosty and yeah. nick polgies please thank them very much for being here today